0: Hello you filthy animals and welcome to episode 13 of the Old Metal Bar Steward. Brought to you in part by 25 Years Later Media and the Ruminations Radio Network. I am your Old Metal Bar Steward himself Neil Grey and it's been a while since you last heard my dulcet tone so let me just say I'm back. That's right folks my erstwhile producer and Black Label Society Uber fan Mitch has returned from his holidays and my personal life is starting to straighten itself out. I don't wanting to bore you all with the tedious details, let's just say that I'm drinking cigarette free now for the first time since I was twelve. Thirty-seven years of abusing my body is finally behind me, fingers crossed. Now don't get me wrong, it's only been a week, and there's a long, long, long way to go, but this is the very first episode of Toons that I've ever done where I haven't had a glass in my hand. This means you'll have to bear with me while I get used to doing the show sober, and I'd also like to apologise in advance to my producer, Mitch, as there might be a lot more fuck-ups over the next couple of shows than there usually are. But we'll get there, brother, we'll get there. So, you filthy animals, we have a lot of catching up to do, but before we do... It's time for the usual disclaimer. The thoughts and the opinions of the old metal bar are are mine and mine alone and in no way represent the thoughts and opinions of 25 years later media and a ruminations radio network. Even if a few of the people that work for these places know that I'm bang on the money each and every week. Right then, let's get into it, shall we? Out with the old and in with the news. And where better to start than everyone's favourite segment, it's time for Nutty Nugent Watch. I may have been off for a while, but racism and stupidity never sleeps. And while I've been away, Old Uncle Ted has had quite a bit to say about current White House desk jockey Joe Biden, while doubling down on his baseless accusations that the riot in the Capitol, which is what I think Raid 3 should be called, was orchestrated by Antifa and Black Lives Matters members. Talking to the Wild Initiative podcast, which I can only assume exists so that rednecks have something to drown out of the screams of their sisters as they rape them for the 13th time that week... Ted had the following to say about the current president of the United States of America. You say that some of the liberals have good intentions. I haven't met one and I meet an awful lot of people. Because if you are on the side of Joe Biden, you're just a plain rotten human being. You support a man with a liberal agenda that renegotiated all the contracts with the globe that Trump finally negotiated on behalf of our country. That's not my hunch. That's not a guess. That's not an opinion. Well, it kind of is, Ted, but that's neither here nor there. Trump renegotiated global contracts for the first time in my lifetime. To actually benefit America. Sorry, I struggle I don't know how I do this show sober. I'm gonna read this idiot every fucking week. I don't know how I'm gonna do it, but we'll persevere. Trump renegotiated global contracts for the first time in my lifetime and actually to actually benefit America. And Joe Biden reversed them to hurt America. So if you're a liberal and a Democrat, you're the enemy of freedom. And if you don't believe in those ugly, ugly policies, then you have to quit. If you don't agree with forcing Americans to get vaccination passports, but people are flooding in through the borders without any vetting whatsoever, then you have no soul. And you you can't be on that team. If you disagree with these toxic, dangerous, tyrannical policies, you've got to quit that gang. That gang is the Democrats. Their agenda is extreme liberal Marxism. And if you're part of that team, you're as rotten as that man who's searching for a syllable in the White House. Right then, does Ted actually understand what Marxism is? Now, if you're listening, Ted, which I doubt you are due to all the shit that pours out of your ears, in the most simple, easiest terms, Marxism is a political and economic theory where a society has no classes. Every person within the society works for a common good, and class struggle is theoretically gone. I mean, I don't know about you, dear listener, but the idea of everyone being treated as equal, no matter the colour of their skin, their sexual preference, or where the fuck they were born, or working for the betterment of all mankind, sounds like something that's worth getting behind, right? Imagine a world where an accident of birth doesn't automatically mean you are handed the keys to the kingdom. If you are... even if you are far from suitable to hold said power and where the likes of Donald fucking Trump wouldn't get a head start on everyone just because his dad, a known member of the fucking KKK and all-around profiteering asshole, somehow didn't spend his glory years staring at four fucking walls in Sing Sing, but instead managed to make a fortune that his retarded family inherited. Seriously, they ever do a genealogy on that family, they're going to find out that Fred and Marianne were cousins at best. Also, the idea that Trump did anything for America that wouldn't have lined his own fucking pockets is laughable. So Ted claiming that the current president cancelling deals that Chito Mussolini negotiated on behalf of the country, such as, ooh, I don't know, pulling out of the fucking Paris Climate Agreement, just makes me want to slap the stupid out of his mouth. Now, I could rag on Ted here for the whole liberal is evil thing, but... He does it all the fucking time, so let's move on to his next wonderful statement via his Facebook stream, which should really be up for every single comedy award this year. Where well, he's had this to say on the Capitol riots. We know that the January 6th event at the Capitol in Washington, D.C., those weren't Trump supporters destroying stuff and breaking windows and being vandals. Those were Antifa and Black Lives Matters wearing Trump shirts and hats. I want to be on a record right now for that insurrection my ass. So let me make it clear. January the 6th wasn't an insurrection. Those were terrorists, like Black Lives Matter and Antifa dressed in Donald Trump shirts doing all the damage. The real Trump supporters were conservatives that believe in God, family, country, law, an order trying to stop them. And every time, God, family, country, law, God, family, country, law, Jesus. Well, Ted, I agree with you on certain parts here. Those were fucking terrorists. Terrorists They were called to arms by then-President Donald Trump. Those weren't Antifa or Black Lives Matters protesters in disguise. This wasn't an episode of I fucking spy. Those were redneck assholes like you who believe in God, the flag, big fucking guns, and trying to overthrow the government just because they didn't get the fucking way. And head cheerleader was your boy, Ted. Face it. These are the facts. Your boy got beaten like a redheaded stepchild to his last move, his fucking Hail Mary pass, was trying to get a bunch of militiamen, morons and fuckheads like Ice Earth John fucking Schaefer to storm the Capitol building in a desperate attempt to cling to power and it failed fucking miserably. All they did was prove to the fucking world what we'd all known for the past four years anyway. Donald Trump is a fucking cancer. And these idiots who support him make me want to retch so goddamn hard, I'm afraid that if I let go, I throw my entire soul out of my fucking body. I fucking see you, Ted Nugent. I know what you're trying to do. You will not go unpunished. But sadly, neither will any of us if Ted has his way, as he's announced this week that he's going to start work on a new album. Because what the world needs right now is more right wing, bullshit, redneck, rock and roll from the worst human being on the face of the goddamn planet. Lucky I say. Eh? But it isn't just good old Uncle Ted who's been spouting his hate-filled theories over the past few weeks as it seems that the army of mini nugents are quite happy to step up to the plate and swing for the racist fences. Case in point, washed up new metal singer and fuck, stained or a pile of fucking shit anyway, frontman Aaron Lewis, who has decided that he doesn't feel as if sunk it monkey balls in one genre is enough, but he's turned his attention to sucking monkey balls in country music. During a May 27 concert at Sharky's Event Center in Liverpool, New York, you know, New York, the world-renowned home of country music, New York. The singer... Okay, can... We have a new rule that states people like him are called singers in quotation marks, please. Anyway, the singer launched into his rant where he misquotes Albert Einstein before adding, people, this is our country and it's time to wake the fuck up. We can't just sit on our asses and watch him do shit anymore. We can't do it. It's going to be gone. All the blood that was shed for this amazing thing that is in our hands right now, we are responsible for what happens to this country. We can't just sit here and do nothing anymore. We can't do it. That's why we're so far down the fucking shit hole as we are already. It's because we just sit here and let them fucking do it. So, wake up. Now, when this story first broke, I shared it with my brothers and sisters over on the Ruminations Radio Network just to get their input on what he'd said. And we soon came to the conclusion that he wasn't saying anything at fucking all. It's the ranting of a madman, the kind of thing that you'd expect to fall out of the mouth of a drunk yelling at cards while he drove past. He's just one tinfoil hat away from claiming that the government is trying to steal his thoughts. Who, Aaron? Who are you letting do this shit to your country? Why is your country so far down the fucking shithole as it already is? What blood was shed for this amazing thing that is in your hands right now? Come on, Aaron, you can tell me. Is it the blacks you're talking about? Are those the people that are trying to take away your entitled, white bread way of life by demanding to be treated like human beings? It's okay, man. We're all friends here. Maybe it's them damn Mexicans. Sneaking over the border in search of a better life for themselves and their families. Taking away all the jobs that the lazy, fat-ass Americans don't want to do anyway. Or could it be, just maybe, that you're a washed-up has-been who would never have been if it wasn't for fucking Fred Durst? who's now desperately trying to cling on to some form of fame and relevancy by repackaging himself as a redneck saviour, while the rest of the world laughs at you and your fucking pointless band disappears back into obscurity as your new album's released and nobody buys it because you're a fucking racist asshole. And sadly, the morons just keep on coming this week, as that bastion of good taste, Kid Rock, has been defending his use of of a homophobic slur at show at Fish Lips Bar and Grill, which sounds like a chip shop to me. Americans, if you don't know what a chip shop is, ask any English person, they will quite happily tell you. Anywho, the American dumbass took offence when a section of the audience took out the phones and started filming, which can only be because, I assume, they did it as evidence to prove that they be being dragged, kicking and screaming against a well into a kid rock concert, as surely that's the only way anyone would go to one of his shows. Railing against those responsible, Rock said, and I'd like to state that these are his words, not mine, fuck your iPhone, you fucking faggots, with your iPhone out. As you can imagine, this went down about as well as his fucking terrible rip-off of Sweet Home Alabama, but Bob Ritchie, Kid Rock when he's just being your standard run-of-the-mill homephobe, took to Twitter to defend himself by saying, if Kid Rock using the word faggot offends you, good chance you are one. Either way, I know he has a lot of love for his gay friends, and I will have a talk with him. Have a nice day. So, not only does he fail to apologise for using the word faggot, he then goes on to claim that anyone who is offended by it is one, like he's still in school, before claiming that he has a lot of gay friends. Oh, crock of shit. Kid Rock doesn't have any fucking friends. He's a prime example of someone who just doesn't fucking get it. His attitude seems to be, yeah, well, it's just a word. What you will get bent out of shape about. It's not just a word, is it Bob? It's a derogatory expression that has been quite literally at times, spat in the faces of gay men and women for decades. Normally about 20 seconds before the asshole in question and his group of asshole mates proceed to kick the shit out of them, just because their tiny little Neanderthal brains can't protest how two people of the same sex could possibly love one another. It's been used with so much venom and hate that it's driven people to either stay in the closet for fear of reprisals, or worse, attempt suicide. So it's not just a fucking word, Bob, but I've got a few for you that are, such as washed up, has been, talentless fucking hack, now those are words, Bobby Boy, and ones that you should be used to by now. Moving away from racist and homophobic morons now, this next story is just a run-of-the-mill moron being a moron. US Representative Louis Gomer has been drawing the wrath of none other than Gene Simmons lately after the former was caught asking US Forest Service Representative Jennifer Eberline, I hope that's right, I apologise if it's not, if it was possible, I'm sorry, I'm not making this up, he asked her if it was possible to alter the orbit of the moon or the earth as a way of combating climate change. During a subcommittee meeting that was live-streamed, Lucky Louie, as he's lucky he's still got a fucking job, said, I understand from what's been testified to, you want very much to work on the issue of climate change, and so, is there anything that the National Forest Service can do to change the course of the moon's orbit, orbit or the earth's orbit around the sun obviously that would have a profound effect on our climate when the somewhat confused Eberling replied with i would have to follow up with you on that one instead of leaping across the table and slapping the stupid out of him so kudos for that jennifer lucky louis said yeah well if you figure out a way that you and the forest service can make that change i'd like to know this had Gene Genie taken to Twitter to call Lucky Louie an effin moron. As Gene Simmons doesn't swear. But the truth of the matter is that even if he hadn't commented on this, this is far too good story to not include on the show. Seriously, where the fuck do you find these people, America? Do you have a massive storage unit of idiot politicians that you can just dip into every four years for a laugh? And why do people vote for them? There can't possibly be that many stupid humans in your country, can there? Don't get me wrong, I live in a place where our Prime Minister looks like a fucking alpaca and has the leadership skills of one as well, but this guy? Fuck, that is a level of stupidity I didn't think could exist anywhere on the planet. Thankfully, God created Tracy Gunn, who was tired of assholes like Nugent, Lewis, Kid Rock and uh, Lucky Louie, embarrassing America. Speaking to the On the Road to Rock podcast, Gunn said, the exposure of racism and hate in our country is embarrassing. My Danish friends, they've been telling me for a couple of years. We really used to love the United States. We all wanted to go there and be in bands. It was so exciting. And you've got to remember, Denmark is a pretty much a socialist democracy. It's state-run. So when this whole crazy thing kind of happened over here with Trump getting elected, they were like, what happened? Everyone asked me, how did that guy become president? Like, wow. And then when we started having the riots associated with the protest, things got really scary. I live in Hollywood when I'm in America. Hollywood looks like it was hit by a bomb, no joke. This is a scary place to be, and the only thing that I can relate it to is Rio de Janeiro, where they have a real separation of economic structure. So you have this place, which looks like the Hollywood Hills, but covered in little white boxes that are houses and homes. That's where the poor people live. That's where the drugs are rampant and crime is rampant. And about two miles, I guess, sand. You're driving on the road, And there's like a five-star golf country club. And that's what LA feels like to me right now. It's like a really bizarre mix. And there's so many businesses that are out of business. There are so many empty apartments. And there's so many homeless people. And this all just doesn't add up. There's plenty of shelter for people. Why can't we help? Why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? And I'm tired of asking. I'm tired of this country being embarrassing to every other country. Even the shittiest countries in the world are embarrassed by the actions that occur in this country. Now the sad thing here is that it's impossible to not understand what he means wherever you live, not just America. I live in a country where instead of trying to fix our homeless problem, it get swept under the nearest bridge in the hope that the voters won't notice it when the election time rolls around. It took like a fucking pandemic to happen, but a usually bastard government to act in regards to the draconian eviction laws, making it illegal for landlords to boot tenants out on the street without due cause or warning that lasted right up until they started opening the country back up again and now if you're lucky you might have two and a half, two months to find somewhere else to live before you and your family find yourself out in your ass. This is a country that's being run by a man who can quite happily spend £840 on wallpaper per fucking roll to redecorate and yet can't find the money to give the doctors and nurses who dragged us through the COVID nightmare a decent pay rise. William Shakespeare wrote in Henry the Sixth: The first thing we do, let's kill all the lawyers. I'd like to amend that if the bar doesn't mind. I think it should read, The first thing we do, let's kill all the politicians. Right. Well, that was a longer bile dump than i usually like to do, but when you have as much time off as I have, it seems that the assholes go over en masse, doesn't it? So let's get into some better news from here on out, shall we? First up, there's a ton of Judas Priest and Rob Halford stories doing the round of the moment, so welcome to the METAL GOD roundup. The Judas Priest 50th Anniversary Tour finally kicks off this September, in North America at least, when the boys hit the road with Sabaton in support for three months, finishing off on November the 5th. Your old Metal bastard was birthday, funnily enough, in Hamilton, Ontario. Sadly, those of us that live in Europe will have to wait until next year when it all kicks off on May the 27th, 2022 in Moscow and runs until July the 31st, with the final show being in Germany. This strikes me as a pretty short stint the clocks in at around the two-month mark, but hey, I'd call through fucking fire to see Priest play, so I'll take whatever I can get. Luckily, burning to death wouldn't be an option, as Priest are also confirmed for Wacken 2022, running from August the 4th to the 6th. So if I can convince 25 years later all the Rumination Radio's network to send me to review the most metal festival on the planet, then there will be no need to douse myself in gasoline and drop a match, will there? The metal god himself, Rob Halford, has been having his say about getting back out on the road and it's safe to say that he can't wait. Talking to 95.5 KLOS, he said, like all the bands around the world, we're just chomping at the heavy metal bit to get back out on the road again. If you go to The Priest's website, you'll see all the dates that we've been rescheduling, like we all have. And I'll be heading back to the UK soon to start jamming and rehearsing. We've got to put a set list together, which is getting more difficult by the years. Choose a song from how many albums and hundreds of songs, but we'll do it. It's going to be great. It's going to be great being back out on the road. I miss that feeling. I miss that feeling of being in a different hotel every night and being in a different city every night. And seeing all our beautiful fans around the world, particularly in America, well, we've had, such a great, we've had such great times together, so it's all systems go, man. It's enthusiasm here, it's hard to deny, and it reflects out of any right-minded metalhead. We've all been locked down, tied up, and banned from any sort of fun for so fucking long now that a lot of us have forgotten what it's like to be side-by-side side in a pit. But with the vaccines rolled out and anyone with half a brain getting a shot, then it won't be long before we're all moshing like madmen and women together once more. Unless you're one of these vaccine deniers, then screw you. Enjoy spending your summer stuck at home where the rest of us get out and go fucking crazy. The Metal God has also been talking about coming out during an MTV interview in 1998. Talking about Apple Music, he said it was beautiful. It was very unplanned. It was one of those things where I'm at MTV in New York. I'm talking about a project that I was working on called 2 with myself and John 5, the amazing guitar player. I was doing the rounds in New York City and ended up at MTV talking about the project. And in the general course of the conversation, we were talking about the overall music and the direction and the feelings. And I said something to the effect of, well, speaking as a gay man, blah, 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 blah. And then I heard the producer's clipboard bounce on the floor. It was one of those sharp intakes of breath. Oh, my God, he's come out. And so that was that. It was very simple. I think if I I still say today, if I really... Thought this through. Today's the day I'm going to come out. Maybe I even wouldn't. Maybe I may not have come out per se because it's still a big moment for so many of us with a close friend, with someone at school, with mum and dad, with whomever to actually say, hey, I'm a gay guy or I'm a gay girl. It's just a big, big deal. It's just a glorious, glorious moment. And then, of course, it hit the news wire, and that was that it was just this enormous feeling of freedom and the pressure was gone. And there's no more talking behind your back because. You have all this ammunition of power as a gay person now, as an out gay person. Nothing can hurt you because this is it. You can't throw insults. You can't throw rumours. You can't say anything never- negative about me because I am who I am. So that's my wonderful memory of my great coming out day. Now your old Metal bastard can remember when this happened and I recall thinking that it was an incredibly brave move on his behalf. The way the world was and sadly still is, I fully expected a massive backlash from within the Metal community as metal has always been a very heterosexual, male driven form of music. But even though there were, and sadly still are, the kind of morons who feel threatened by someone's sexuality, the overall reaction to the metal god coming out was a positive one, proving that the metal fraternity will always surprise you when you least expect Unfortunately, though, it doesn't seem as if the forthcoming 50th anniversary tour will feature K.K. Downing after he gave an interview to Eddie Trunk's Trunk Nation, where... It wasn't exactly inflammatory. It wasn't what you call brimming with praise for his former bandmate. He started out well enough with Downing defending his use of priest in a new band name due to the number of years and high influence he had within that group. But when he got into the subject of his leaving, it kind of got away from him a little bit. He said, When things happened, for example, the year when I got angry and quit, Robert released two solo albums, studio albums, that year in 2010. He did a tour with the Aussie, he went to Peru, he did all those things. All these things were building up. We were getting pressured to do an EP. And I wasn't enjoying the performances because Glenn just liked too many beers and stuff like that. But it was all kind of building up in me. Having said all that, what people don't know, but it is true, is that I was going to do one final tour. And I was speaking to Ian for a whole week about doing the tour. And I even had him send me over a set list. But the day after Ian sent me the set list, the press release got released the very next morning, announcing his exit from the bed. And that's when I got really angry and sent in my second resignation letter. And that was real, a real kind of sayonara. This is a sad situation because I was waiting for the guys. They would have known that I was anticipating doing a tour and having a change of mind, but nobody, even Ian, who I was talking to, was not really encouraging me. And I felt pretty deflated, but they made a press release. The second letter I sent in, Glenn and Jane obviously didn't like what was said. And the rest is history. The door is closed, I guess, because I've written to the guys on two or three separate occasions to let me back in, but the answer's always been no. Now, as I said, it's not the most earth-shattering of conversations that KK could have had. But at the same time, he takes a swipe at Halford for having a couple of solo albums and tours under his belt. Claims that Tipton would get drunk before playing and seems to insinuate the reason he didn't enjoy it was that his guitar partner was too drunk to perform. And then claims to have been cut adrift after he'd agreed to do one final tour. But the band chose to take him at his word and his resignation and his resignation letter. Sorry, see guys, I told you, sober. Brain's moving too fast, mouth cannot keep up. But anyway, where was I? It's a sad state of affairs for any metalhead. As Downing was as an integral part of the pre-sound as anyone, and the idea of a 50th anniversary without him in it just feels as if it's going to be somewhat incomplete. But it also seems as if there's no way back. Not now, anyway. So we just have to take it for what it is, and if you want to see Downing and a tribute act, then you can always check out his new band. And talking of his new project, Tim Ripper Owens has been defending the group against accusations of sounding like Judas Priest. Talking to the 80s glam metal cast, he said, It's funny because obviously people complain about everything, which I guess is how the cookie crumbles nowadays. I think it's one of the dumbest things that I hear people who get mad at say that, like, wow, it kind of sounds like Judas Priest well KK Downing wrote Judas Priest songs from the 1970s wrote Judas Priest songs and only Judas Priest songs since then so I think you can maybe also say that it sounds like KK Downing because that's how he writes and I think it's a fantastic thing that he didn't try to go off and invent the wheel again that's the sound that KK has he's written Judas Priest song and it's fantastic it's got that classic sound and there's no need to get away from that is it just me or does Owens not really seem to get the point here Nobody's complaining that K.K. Downing is still writing songs the way he's been writing songs for the past 50 sodding years. What people are complaining about is having a former Rob Halford tribute singer fronting the band. I said it a few weeks back. If Downing had gone with any other singer, then he could have had a really great, incredibly interesting project on his hand. But with Ripper Owens' front in the band, they'll always be seen as nothing more than a kind of cover band you find in shitty little bar on Thursday night. Someone who can never be replicated, however, is the late, great Ronnie James Dio. And as we head towards what should have been the 69th birthday, this July the 10th, the Ronnie James Dio Stand Up and Shout Cancer Fund is teaming up with Rolling Live Studios to host a virtual celebration of the man. The lineup is looking pretty fucking good as well, with Alita Ford, Joey Belladonna and Tony fucking Iommi to name just three, having all been confirmed for the show. You can get your tickets from rollinglifestudios.com and they start at around £10 or $15 and go all the way up to £109, $153 for the full experience and merch and all sorts of stuff. It's for a good cause and it's going to have a kick-ass bill so my advice is to get on over there and lay down some cash and we can all mosh together on July 10th. In other tour news... Black Label Society have announced that they're hitting the American Road during October and November, alongside obituary and prom. And it seems as if they can't wait to get back playing live again, as they've a show booked for nearly every date during that period. You can catch them at 43 different venues throughout the tour, throughout the two months. And if your old metal bar steward suddenly goes quiet during that time, it's because my erstwhile producer and Black Label Society Uber fan Mitch, has lost his frickin' mind and decided to follow them across the entirety of the United States. You know what they all say. Fantasy football is like a box of chocolates. And I know you. You love fantasy football. And you love chocolates. Well, 25 Yards Later is a fantasy football podcast with top-notch analysis, earworm music, and plenty of laughs. Each week we dive deep into four games, putting every fantasy-relevant and occasionally fantasy-irrelevant player under a microscope. Block out all the haters with 25 Yards Later, available wherever you get your podcasts, but maybe not where you get your chocolates. Soulfly will be heading out as well, playing 32 shows, starting on August the 20th at the Sunshine Theatre in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And ending on the t- 24th of September at the Whiskey Ago-Go, Go, well, while Slipknot, Limp Bizkit and Rob Zombie have been announced for the rock Rocklahoma Festival to be held over American Labour Day weekend. Rocklahoma, Oklahoma's Rock Festival, I'm guessing. I don't know, I'm British, what do I know? But it's due to be held over America's Labour Day weekend, September the 3rd, 4th and 5th. So make sure to get your tickets for the 3rd and the 5th of that month and fuck the 4th as Limp Bizkit is shite. This festival seems to be a warm-up for the NotFest Roadshow, where Corey and the boys will be heading out on a 25-date tour of America, starting on the 28th of September in Tinley Park, Illinois, and ending in Phoenix, Arizona on November the 2nd. In other Slipknot news, fans have been talking about the new album they're working on, and it seems that my prediction of a 2022 release date was... possibly a little off the mark, maybe spot on? We shall see. Talking to 93X, he said that they hope for it to be out this year and are looking to finish it up by the end of July. This is fantastic news and if all goes according to plan, then we should be able to get our grubby little hands on what Clown has been calling God's music before the end of this shitty year. Sadly for those of us in Europe, we're going to have to wait until 2022 to see the band perform their new Opus Live as they've had to push their summer tour back yet again. Don't you just long for a time when the reason that bands canceled shows was because of too much snow on the roofs of venues instead of this invisible bastard that won't just fuck off? I know I do. Elsewhere, Corey Taylor has been talking about a possible induction for Slipknot in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and as you'd expect from the neck, he's not held anything back. Talking to Laser103.3, he said, First of all, I don't care about that hall, because I think it's a pile of garbage. They don't honour anything except pop music, really, and they only really induct real rock bands when they have to cave to pressure. They disrespected so many bands over the past by putting others in before the ones that actually deserve it that I'd probably go the way of the Sex Pistols. I'd be like, your haul is a sham. I don't care if I'm part of it or not. You have no idea what the spirit of rock and roll is actually about, so take this and shove it up your you-know-what. So that's basically where I'm at. And obviously, I'm not getting any brownie points. And I will... Probably will never be nominated, but I don't really care. (laughs) Man, I love Corey Taylor. I've been ranting about what another joke the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is for quite a while now if you've been listening to the show. And our professional smug bastard and CEO Greg Harris wouldn't know real rock and roll if it walked up and kicked him straight in the bollocks. So to hear Corey Taylor agree with me in a roundabout kind of way means that for next year's Tomb's Rock and Metal Hall of Fame induction, Slipknot are an even bigger lot than they were already. Going back to this year, one of this year's uh, inductees into the Tombs Rock and Metal Hall of Fame, metal legend, rock god, and all round decent bloke D. Snyder is going to be, will have been, depending on when you hear this, on Celebrity Family Feuds. Talking to Twisted Sister bassist Mark the Animal Mendoza on his show 22 Now, Dee said, My family and I, the whole Snyder growing up Twisted clan, were on Celebrity Family Feud." And our episode is airing on June the 20th on ABC at 8 o'clock p.m. on the East Coast. And we went up against Terry Bradshaw and his family. And I will just say we kicked ass and we represented. Now it turned out we were the first rock family to be on the show. They've had hip-hop, they've had pop. They've never had a rock and roll family on the show. I remember we were kind of debating like, do we go in and treat it like it's a joke? Just like a big goof out of it. Or do we take it seriously? And they expect us to be a joke. So we wanted to go in there and go for gold. So I can't say how it went other than to say we kicked ass. That I can say. Now, as a rule, I have about as much interest in celebrity shows as I have in cutting off my penis with a rusty bread knife. But come on, this is the fucking Snyder we're talking about. And I'm guessing from the previous quote that he and his family smashed the whole thing out of the fucking park. But again, being UK-based, I'm going to have about as much chance of seeing this as I am of seeing a unicorn shit in the woods. That is unless I set sail for the Pirate Sea, so yo-ho-ho ho, and a bottle of rum for me. And while I'm on the subject of metal legends, Motorhead has announced Motorhead, The Rise of the Loudest Band in the World, the authorised graphic novel. Spanning 144 pages, packed with stunning illustrations, Motorhead, The Rise of the Loudest Band in the World, tells the legendary story of Motorhead frontman Lemmy Kilmister, and the band's of meteoric rise to becoming one of the most influential rock bands of all time. That's right, folks. Fucking Motorhead are having a fucking comic book fucking made about them. This makes me so stupidly happy that I might plot. It's due out on September the 7th, and my pre order is already in the fucking bag. It seems that Vince Neal is having a few problems of late, problems that have been evident to anyone with ears for the best part of a decade now, and that is, uh, his voice is shot to hell. Everyone has seen the lyric videos that are on YouTube where people have filmed Vince live and then added what they thought he said to quite a historical effect. And if you haven't seen them, then go check them out after the show. But it seems as if nothing has improved for the Motley Crue legend as his performance at the Boone River Festival in Iowa didn't go according to plan. 14 songs into his set, Vince's voice crapped out on him, forced him to leave the stage in a flurry of apology. This was brought up on the Jeremy White podcast when it was put to Phil Cullen whose band Def Leopard are due to join the crew on the tour next year. And Phil said, I heard about it. Hey, look, he's got a year to get ready for the stadium tour. There's a lot of state when you go out on tour and you want to be your best. Hopefully we'll be working out together and all that stuff. Now, Vince never had the strongest voice to start with, though it was very unique. And I'm not sure that anything can be done to improve his performances. The sad fact is, as I've said over and over, as the time catches up with the vocalist, a lot quicker than it does with the other musicians in a band. I and mean, when you've lived the life that Vince had, you're almost rushing towards total vocal chord meltdown. I'd love him to prove me wrong as I have a soft spot for Vince and the crew, but I fear that it's going to be yet another series of shows that they have to get by on on nostalgia alone rather than mind-blowing performances. But luckily, it's now time once again for auction corner here on the Old Metal Bar Steward. Now, regular listeners to the show will know that during the last episode, and the episode before as well yeah this started a couple of episodes ago but on the last episode I talked about sorry my mind wandered on the last episode I talked about Alex Van Halen's drum kit going up on the block and a horrible self-portrait by Cobain going up for sale well these items have sold and Alex's drum kit went for $230,000 which was spot on when it came to the original appraisal and it is, let's face it, a tasty chunk of change. However, not as tasty as the final bid for Cobain's crappy drawing, which was initially estimated at twenty thousand dollars and ended up going for drum roll, please, two hundred and eighty-one thousand dollars. Yep, yeah, you heard that right. Someone has parted with $281,000 for something that my three-year-old could have drawn and drawn better. I've said it before and I say it again, some people have way more money than sense. And finally, and somewhat ironically, and what can only be described as a take-my-goddamn-money moment, Collector Co. has teamed up with the Jimi Hendrix estate to create a new bobble-headed figure of the man himself setting fire to his guitar. It's a glorious little thing, and unlike most figures with the wobbly head, doesn't look fucking ridiculous. In fact, it's so impressive that I'm off in a few minutes to get my pre-order in as there are only going to be 1,967 available. So there it is. Another week, another episode of the Old Metal Bar Steward. I've been your host, the Old Metal Bar Steward himself, Neil Gray, and as always, I'd like to thank you for listening to the show, brought to you in part by 25 Years Later Media and the Ruminations Radio Network. And you all know the drill by now. When you turn off my dulcet tones, head on over to the main 25 Years Later site as well as its sister sites, Horror Obsessive and Sports Obsessive, and get your eyeballs some top-notch reading. And don't forget to check out the other podcasts on Ruminations Radio Network, because they've got you covered no matter what your ear holes are craving. I will be back here in seven days' time, preferably so, because this was a lot more fun than I was expecting to be, with more news, reviews and opinions. So until I speak to you next... Stay safe and stay fucking metal, you filthy animals. Do you want more and amazing and awesome content just like this? Great shows with fun hosts. Do you want to indulge in some great discussion and rumination on a variety of topics? Join us at ruminationsradionetwork.com, the newest home to a diverse cast of podcasters and masterminds.